Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Hangout in the Holy Land, Land Grant Holy Land's flagship podcast. We are back here after Ohio State's big win over Maryland, 66-17. to uh, Wasn't particularly close at any point in the game besides maybe the first drive for either team. Uh, Josh, the the C.J. Stroud haters are waking up sick this morning, I'm telling yeah, you Yeah, you know, he is, uh, and, and I think that we both supported him. Uh, early on until that, uh, gosh, the Tulsa game, and we were like, Ugh. but it seems like that week off for him did wonders. Like he looks like a completely different human being, a completely different quarterback. He's playing with so much confidence. And I think that Ryan Day is equally confident in him. So shoot, for my money, he's uh, you know one of the top two, three, four guys in the Heisman talk right now. Yeah, I, I think with the way that a lot of the... It's a very fun and weird college football season, and I think a lot of teams have these weird weeks where they don't look so good. We just saw, you know, we'll talk about a little bit some of the bigger games this weekend, but obviously Alabama was knocked off this weekend. We saw, you know, the Penn State-Iowa game. A lot of teams just aren't very good at, at certain points of the game, and so I, I think the Heisman candidacy is wide open, especially since, you know, we saw Spencer Rattler get benched this weekend. I don't think... You know, uh, Bryce Young has had a particularly good game yesterday, but, you know, C.J. Stroud has looked really good these last couple weeks, and I do want to start with, you know, we're going to break down this game a little bit on both sides of the ball. I know every week we've we've focused pretty heavily on the defense because that was a big point of contention earlier this year, and I do want to talk about the defense a little bit in this game, but I want to start in this one with the offense because these dudes are just absolutely on a roll right now. These last two weeks against Rutgers and Maryland, I know it's Rutgers and Maryland, but uh, you know, on paper, these are teams with two, at the very minimum, middle-of-the-road defenses, if not solid defenses, and C.J. Stroud carved him up. In the last two weeks since, you know, since he sat down against Akron and rested his shoulder, in the two combined games, he has completed 41 of 56 passes for 736 yards and 10 touchdowns, no interceptions. We've seen a completely different C.J. Stroud on the field. And, you know, mm-hmm. part of that is obviously the, the healed-up shoulder, but I think also that Ohio State's tailored their offense more to his strengths. I think they've gone more towards the the Dwayne Haskins style of Ohio State offense, and that's done him wonders as well. But, you know, around C.J. Stroud, Chris Olave, Gary Wilson, Jackson Smith, and Jigba have all been fantastic. Obviously, Travion Henderson has been, you know, dynamic and awesome out of the backfield. Um, and so I think this Ohio State offense right now is just clicking on all cylinders and when you watch these guys play, like it's just so free and easy, and everything they do just seems to be, 
you know, just so, like it doesn't matter what the other team is doing because there's just so many options on the field to get the ball to that they can't key in on one thing. And I do think in this game, you know, in the beginning at least, Maryland tried to key in on the run game because they didn't want to get beat by Travion Henderson, and that's a lot of why we saw, you know, Ohio State yeah, maybe not yeah. be able to... The, the first drive of the game for Ohio State was a weird... You know, Ryan Day described it as clunky. It was like a 17-play drive. They did still score a touchdown, but it wasn't the typical Ohio State, like, quick-strike offense we've been accustomed to seeing, and a lot of that was because uh, the run game wasn't working particularly well. But, you know, as the game went on and... Uh, Ohio State realized that the Maryland was just selling out to stop the run. They just started passing the ball, and then Maryland was like, oh, well, crap, now what do we do? Because C.J. Stroud's actually good. So overall, just a, 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 ter- a terrific performance by this offense. Uh, I, I, the, you know, They scored a lot more points than both of us thought in our, in our predictions, and they really, you know, they make it look easy. When the Stars are out there, they score on pretty much every drive at this point. And, you know, when, when Stroud is playing like this and, you know, the, the, the uh, Ryan Day's play calling is good as it has been these last couple weeks, uh, this this is a very unstoppable offense, it would appear. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to get all sort of banana land here, but I think that this offense is probably just as good or talented as last year's and the year before. Now, 2019 was, was a crazy team, but when you look at like last year's team, I, I don't know, I think Travion Henderson is a better or a more talented running back than either Trey Sermon or Master Teague. And then you figure we've got a little bit of a drop off from Justin Fields to CJ Stroud. And a lot of the rest of the guys are the same. So coming into the season, we were like, man, we don't know about CJ Stroud. And now I think it's fair to say that we at least have as good of an offense as we did last year, which we were really, you know, pretty confident about. But yeah, I, I think it starts with Stroud. I think that you're right. I think Maryland came into the game intent on stopping the run or saying, Hey, we're going to make CJ Stroud prove himself or prove that the Rutgers game was not a fluke. And I, he answered that pretty quickly. Um, again, I think it's just, it's confidence between him and Ryan day. I think that we probably had unfair expectations, which as Ohio state fans, we are known to do. We thought that it would be, easy right off the rip. We thought that week one, week two, week three, this guy was going to throw for 350 and three scores every single week, but he's still a young guy. He's still learning. He hit some bumps and he probably will continue to hit some bumps along the road, but it seems like him and Ryan day or he and Ryan day are like, they're completely in sync right now. It seems like everything that is called CJ Stroud's like that pitcher. He's just, you know, he's up and down, nodding his head to everything that the catcher throws down. Those guys really seems to seem to be working in unison and in sync right now. So I think that's huge. And even when we have what I guess you would consider a down game from Travion Henderson, he only averaged six and a half yards per carry. This game ran through CJ Stroud. He executed perfectly. He made, again, some really, really good throws in certain spots where you needed him to put the ball. And, um, you know, I, I just, I can't say enough good things about CJ Stroud right now. I, I, I really liked him. I stayed on the hype train. The Tulsa game definitely made me waver, but this kid looks like everything that Ryan day and his teammates sort of hyped him up to be. So I think that's where it starts. Yeah, Trayvon Henderson only had 16 carries for 102 yards and two touchdowns, Bum. with another Bum. four with another four catches for 67 yards and a third total touchdown. So yeah, cut cut that duty stinks. But yeah, I'm glad we never fully jumped off the the CJ Stroud train. We did waver on Tulsa, but I think for good reason. 
I think a lot is just to be said of this kid's confidence in these last couple weeks because he's making some throws now that I don't think he would have even attempted in the, in the last couple weeks. You know, the one that comes to mind in this game specifically is the one over the middle to Chris Olave where he, he caught the and one touchdown through the through the pass interference. Like, that's a throw that uh, C.J. Stroud in the first two or three games doesn't even attempt because he doesn't have the confidence to do it. But now in these last couple weeks, he, he's been able to make pretty much every throw on the field. We aren't seeing... A lot of those overthrows that we saw earlier in the year, and he, you know, a lot. Some of these throws, you know, obviously Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson and Jack Smith and Jigba are all very, very good at getting just wide open. Like that, that touchdown, the first touchdown to Chris Olave. Yeah, I mean, there wasn't a, a guy on the screen when he called the ball. So they, these guys are really good at getting open, but he just jumps also throwing on. a lot of dimes. We got to talk about Garrett Wilson's first one too, where he cooked that DB off the line, like just left him in the middle of the field that one that was crazy too his footwork and his get off and his release to get open that one was super impressive too yeah he put that dude in a blender yeah yeah just looking at Ohio State's receiving numbers in this game Chris Olave caught seven passes for 120 yards and two touchdowns Jack Smith and Jigba had five catches for 103 yards and then Gary Wilson had five catches for 84 yards and two touchdowns. So all three guys played pretty significant roles in this. Uh, Ohio State does seem to have moved, you know, last year it was really just the Chris Olave and Gary Wilson show and every, then everybody else was just there. But Jack Smith and Jigba does look to really have established himself as a number three guy and, and you know, maybe a top 10, top 15 receiver in the country. I mean, this dude, if, if Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson weren't here, Jack Smith and Jigba is a really, really good receiver. And so having all three of those guys out there once is just simply not fair. And I, I think Stroud is comfortable going to pretty much any of them in any situation, which is good to see. It's not like he's locking in to one guy. It's not like you're seeing Chris Olave have 15 catches every game, which you know we wouldn't hate. But it, it's good to see that these guys are kind of spreading the ball around and that all of them uh, can make plays when their their number is called upon. Yeah, I and you know we are always talking about how good these Ohio State wide receivers are, but. I mean, Chris Olave looks like he should already be playing on Sundays. And I mean, if he would have decided to leave last year, he easily could have been. Gary Wilson will be there at the end of the year as well. Uh, so it's an embarrassment of riches for Ohio State in offense. And, well, and, and these a, dudes are awesome. Emeka, too. I mean, granted, he had his catches in garbage time, but him um, returning kicks yesterday, you can tell how explosive and how special he's going to be. And honestly, like, obviously, I had, I had read up on Emeka and watched a lot of his you know, stuff on YouTube and tried to read a lot of his um, recruiting profiles and stuff like that. And I, and I knew that Emeka Egbuka was going to be a stud, you know, number one receiver in the country for a reason. But I didn't realize how explosive and quick that he was. You know, I, I saw him returning kicks the first time and I was like, really, is this just to get him on the field, to, you know, get him involved? But he's a hell of a kick returner, and that's just not something I expected from also the number one wideout in the country. You know, maybe that was an unfair expectation for me, but he looks—he definitely looks special, and he's—he's he's next guy up. Yeah, I would—I would think that Emeka Buka is destined to return a kick at some point this season. How I would book that as something that's going to happen. He almost did in this game. He had like a 67-yard or so return that he brought back to like the Maryland red zone. So he is clearly a dynamic player and somebody who will probably be a big part of this offense next year once Olave and Garrett Wilson are in the league. But yeah, I don't know. I don't I just don't know how much good we could say about this Ohio State offense. I think, you know, for the last couple of weeks, I, you know, we saw the stats that they had like the number one ranked offense and it didn't really feel like it to me at least. And this week it really, for, I think the first time was like, wow, these dudes are like, there's nothing you could do to stop them because that the, the play to, that was for the wide open Chris Olave touchdown they faked an end around to Garrett Wilson, which we've seen, you know, Garrett Wilson take for a touchdown before. 
Then they fake the handoff to Travion Henderson, and we know he's basically a walking home run every time he touches the ball. And then they threw deep to Chris Olave. So as Garrett, as as Maryland's defense there, what do you do? Like they just <laughs> Ohio State just showed you three plays that could result in touchdowns, and you have to choose one of them. And it's just for any defense, you know, there's. You know, obviously Georgia's defense is, you know, worlds above everyone else and probably like an NFL defense playing out there. But other than them, like, I don't know if there's any defense in the country that can hang with these guys. And I know I said that, you know, prior to Oregon and then Oregon kind of shut them down a little bit. But I think this is a very different Ohio State team, both in in scheme and and mostly in confidence than what we saw in, in week two. Yeah, I think that there are plenty of other talented players in the country, talented quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, but I don't know if any of them have the collection and have those guys clicking right now like Ohio State does. You know, I look at um, just what they've done to Rutgers and Maryland. I think that those two teams, especially their defenses, they were exposed a little bit, but I think that's a huge like injustice to not recognize how good Ohio State's team or their offense has been because yes, they're putting up lots of points, but like you said, it looks really easy. Like they're going through seven on sevens out there. And I think something that really sets this team apart, Travion Henderson is not just a, you know, up the middle off tackle running back. We saw it yesterday. We obviously saw it against, uh, gosh, I think it was Minnesota when he had the 70 yarder. This kid can catch the ball, too, and that's not something that Ohio State has had a ton of from their running backs. You know, J.K. Dobbins struggled at times as a receiver and with his drops. Trey Sermon didn't really do a whole lot. Master Teague did not do a whole lot as a wide receiver. Travion Henderson, you know, if he were your 1B or your handcuff to Master Teague or Mayan Williams, which he's not, but if that was his only role – he would still be an incredible weapon because he seems like he has really got the receiving chops. We know he played that position a little bit in high school. So that's the extra dynamic that this team sort of adds for me is having that dual threat running back to where, you know, he was bottled up a little bit, I guess, in the first half, just because he wasn't, you know, busting those big runs like we had gotten accustomed to, but you know, he, uh, he adds that extra element, and we didn't even talk about the offensive line. I I feel like C.J. Stroud had all the time in the world, very little pressure. Those guys, I, I know people have, you know, sort of been against the, the four-tackle, quote-unquote, movement that they're trying up there. But for my money, I think they look great. I think they're going to continue to get better as the season progresses. But yesterday, I mean, I thought it was – they did a lot to especially keep CJ Stroud clean. He was not sacked. I think Kyle McCord took one again, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they just looked really good too. So this team is, this offense is really clicking. And now they get, you know, an extra bye week to tinker and fine tune things, which is, I think, is only going to make them more dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I still have some hesitations about the four tackle offensive line. I think the pass protection has been really, really good. Like you said, CJ Stroud had a, a clean pocket for pretty much the entire game. And, you know, to CJ Stroud's credit as well, like he's been really good at moving around in the pocket when he gets pressured and, and kind of keeping plays alive. And, you know, he's, he's still not looking like he wants to run, but he's been good at, you know, finding an open man or at least throwing the ball away and not, not taking a sack when that pressure does come on rare occasions. But yeah, I, I think the this offensive line could still use a little bit work, uh, a little bit of work in the run blocking department, which I think is kind of what, 
you would expect from an offensive line that's made out of four tackles. I think being more uh, being better at pass protection than they are at, at run blocking is something that you kind of expect there because you don't have you know some guards out there that are used to pulling and all that the stuff of that nature. But I don't have any any gripes with them. I thought they played well overall. Um, and yeah, I think a lot of the guys, Ohio State does have some movable pieces out there if they want to change things up. And like you said, they have this bye week coming up if they do want to tinker with some things. I don't think they're really going to change the five guys that are starting out there. I think they've all played pretty well. Luke Whippler seems to really have established himself at that center position, even with Harry Miller back from whatever kept him out for the first couple weeks. Um, so I think things are going well all across the board on offense, which obviously brings us to the defensive side of the ball, which was the concern well, for Gene, this team. Yeah. Hold on a second, because you you sort of uh, jogged my memory and what we talked about pre-pod. You brought up movable pieces. Do you want to talk about movable pieces now, like to other college football teams and how good they've looked? A little Jamison Williams action? This is true, yeah. Not only did the three Ohio State wide receivers on Ohio State's roster make plays, but the former Ohio State wide receiver, Jamison Williams, has quickly become Alabama's number one option, I would say, on their offense. And he had a huge game against A&M, even though they did wind up losing that game. And, you know, I've seen a lot of discourse on the interwebs about how, you know, how did Ohio State let James Williams leave or, or stuff like that, or like James Williams is like one of the best receivers in college football. And I do think James Williams is a really good player. But if you watch James Williams play for Alabama, it's still a lot of the same stuff he did at Ohio State where like he runs two or three routes and it's just he's he runs like a 4-2 and he's super fast, which is cool. But like, I still don't think, you know, there's a reason that he, he transferred. He wasn't going to start on this year's Ohio State team. I think Ohio State's pretty comfortable with Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jack Smith, and Jigba. And, you know, we obviously wish James Williams success, but I don't think Ohio State is, like, missing him in any way. I think Ohio State still has the guys on there, and I think, you know, I think James Williams is a really good fit for that Alabama offense with what they have. But, yeah, it's, it's, it is fun to see him kind of ball out for them. Um, he had a really good game. I think he had, like, 10 catches. He had two touchdowns. Uh, his last touchdown when they were, you know, the, to take the lead there at the end before they, they blew it, um, he, he was wide open. He no one could ca- yeah, <laughs> no one could catch up to him. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's having a really good season for them. I actually, I'm in a college football fantasy league with my, with my other job, and I picked him up uh, at like a couple games in, and he's been really good for me. So, yeah, fun to see. And, uh, you know, Ohio State wide receivers across college football are, are doing yeah, pretty well this year. Yeah, I think it's... Uh... It speaks to Brian Hartline potentially being the first million-dollar position coach. Um, His guys yesterday, and Andrew Lynn tweeted this out. He's an Ohio State beat guy. Ohio State's current and former wide receivers caught 33 passes for 503 yards and six touchdowns on Saturday. So that's obviously the Ohio State guys. That's obviously Jamison Williams and then Mookie Cooper had a couple of catches, didn't do a whole lot, uh, but he you know, plays at Missouri. That's just insane for a, a, a room essentially of wide receivers to put up 500 yards on a college football Saturday. That's just wild. And kudos to Brian Hartline, kudos to Ryan day too. I mean, he does a hell of a job of getting those guys open and they're, their skill set just accentuates that and makes it that much easier, that much better. But um, yeah, great for Jamison Williams. I think everyone sort of wanted him to do well. He, he left on good terms. There was no bad blood as far as, uh, you know, as far as I know or anybody else really spoke of, but it, it like reminds me of like when you graduate high school and you have an amicable, amicable breakup with your girlfriend or your boyfriend and then they have like this crazy makeover during the summer and you see them in the fall and they're dating like 
the bigger, badder version of you. Like that's what I feel like happened with Jamison Williams. We amicably parted ways and now he is balling out for what has been basically our, our arch nemesis for the last handful of seasons. So it's just sort of crazy, but yeah, you talked about what he does on the field. He is sort of that traditional flanker. That term doesn't get thrown around, thrown out very often anymore, but that used to just be, that was your fly route guy. That was your speed guy. And that's really what he was known for. I, I obviously think that Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, especially are more refined. I think that their route running is at another level. I think that their footwork is at another level. So not really sad to see Jamison Williams go, but then when you see him kind of go crazy for Alabama, it still hurts a little bit. So I thought we should at least bring that up and give him some credit though. He is a former Ohio state Buckeye who did some good things here. And so, you know, big props to him. Yeah. I, I saw someone tweet yesterday. It's, it's the most amicable divorce in college football history that like, it just, it worked out so well for both parties. And just to put kind of a little capper on the, the Jamison Williams talk, I just want to Jamison Williams this season, like I said, he's he's probably Alabama's number one option. He's caught 27 passes for 510 yards and five touchdowns. Comparing that to Jackson Smith and Jigba, who is Ohio State's third option, Jackson Smith and Jigba has 23 catches for 452 yards and three touchdowns. So not far off from Jamison Williams as the third guy in Ohio State's passing offense. So, you know, while Jamison Williams is playing really well, it just shows both how good Ohio State's offense is that their number three guy has comparable stats to Alabama's one. But just that, you know, maybe, you know, some of the people that, you know, these Alabama's fans, especially, you know, SEC people love to be like, oh, you know, how'd they let this guy go? You know, they're not missing him quite as much as people may think on the national landscape. But it is good to see him balling out there. And, you know, I think he's he's having a much bigger role there this year than he would have in Columbus had he stuck around this year. So agreed. Yeah. So moving on to Ohio State's defense, which has obviously been what we've talked the most about this year. Um, I have to say, you know, I'm still not entirely sold on this defense just because it was, you know, Akron, Rutgers, and Maryland. But at the same time, like Ohio State at this point has made very tangible changes to this defense, both in personnel that they use. There's less subbing like we wanted. I think they kind of figured out their best players a little bit. They're still still messing around a little bit here and there, but I think that the core of players that they have on the field at, at once is, is good and that they're not subbing as much when, you know, on every single play like they were in the first couple of games. And also that like the the base defense has almost changed for this team where they're running a lot more, you know, they started the season in a, in a single high cover three almost exclusively. And now yes. they're running a lot of two high cover two. And I, mm-hmm. I think that's like, that's a big change for a defense in season. And I know where they made the coaching change with, you know, Kerry Combs and Matt Barnes. And you know, I know it's been a group effort on defense. So I don't know who exactly whose idea that is, but that's a pretty big in-season change, especially for these players to pick up, you know, during the year. And I think they've done a really good job of it. They're also doing a lot more disguising coverages. They're sending a lot more blitzes and from different areas. You know, we saw a couple corner blitzes in this game. They've also been blitzing the linebackers here and there. So I think overall, Ohio State's done a really good job to overhaul this defense. And it's not a thing where, like, we're seeing Ohio State play the same style of defense. They're just playing better against, you know, worse teams, worse offenses. I think we are seeing you know, tangible changes that would lead me to believe that they could replicate these performances against better offenses. And, you know, we still have to see it. I don't know which offense I'm really scared of coming up for Ohio State. I know, you know, obviously Penn State and Michigan are better teams and Indiana even as well are better teams than the last couple of guys they've played. But at the same time, you know, none of those schools have really explosive offenses. So if Ohio State could could just continue to look 
the way it has the last couple weeks, and maybe not, you know, they maybe they're not gonna have a pick six every week like they've had the last couple weeks, and maybe they're not gonna hold everybody under twenty, but. I think this defense is really, really heading in the right direction. And these guys are, much like C.J. Stroud on the offense, I think a lot of these guys are gaining confidence, and it goes a long way. And I think that, you know, they're, they're doing things at both levels. You know, they're getting better pressure. They're playing better in the secondary. They're a little nicked up right now with some injuries in the secondary. And, you know, uh, Haskell Garrett came out later in this game. We don't know the extent of his injury. But I think overall, Ohio State's defense, I, you have to be, if you're an Ohio State fan, at least, you know, feeling a lot better than you did when, you know, coming off the Oregon game. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that um, I compare this to, so I'm a Cincinnati Bengals fan, right? And so right now, based on what we've seen in the first couple of weeks, the first month of the season, it's sort of comparable to the Bengals offense with me, where I know that they're flawed, but they're exciting as hell to watch now, like all of a sudden. I love what this Ohio State defense is doing. And I think it's the one thing that you hit on is I think that the single high safety idea was a failure. And I feel like they've scrapped that. I think that especially when your best single high safety gets like hurt for the year. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think Kerry Combs was going to hold on to that until Grim Depp. And they kind of, it's been groupthink and he's still involved, but Matt Barnes and Larry Johnson and himself and Al Washington, they're like, look, this, this isn't going to work, especially when it started to be Bryson Shaw, which I, I just want to talk about that real quick too. You had hammered on Bryson Shaw. I said, he's up on the kid and I still, but the, the angle and the tackle attempt that he had against Raheem Jarrett late in the game in the third quarter or the early fourth, I think, um, that was gross. So I'm still not going to slander anybody, but I wanted to be on the record that I'm done defending him. So I do um, want to actually issue some apologies to both. Not, I'm not fully ready to say Bryson Shaw is good. Cause like you said, that was really bad. And like, that's been his biggest issue is that he just doesn't take good angles, but between him and I would say, um, I'm losing his name, linebacker. Tommy. Uh, Tommy, Tommy Eichenberg were probably the two guys that received the most heat early in the year on this defense. And I do think that in Ohio State's new defensive scheme with the cover two stuff, that both of those guys have played better. And I think Ohio State's coaching staff has figured out better ways to use them because I don't, you know, Bryson Shaw, I don't think is is as bad as I thought he was, but he's not a single high safety. You can't put him out there on an island to make him do that. But as a, as a, as a two high safety and letting the other guy be the coverage guy, I think you could kind of hide him a little bit and put him in a, in a situation where he could succeed better than if he's the lone guy out there. And the same with Tommy Eichenberg. You know, Tommy Eichenberg has looked a lot better as, you know, a, a rotational piece. I don't know if he's a guy that's quite ready to start and get the reps that he was getting early in the year, but in, in limited time when he's come in in these last couple of games, he's looked really good. And, you know, he had the pick last week. He had made a couple tackles in this game. So I, I think that, you know, Ohio State's finding ways to use its pieces, even the guys that may not be the best players on the field. I think this new scheme and their, you know, as they learn more and more about the players they have out there, I think they're doing a much better job of putting their players in the best positions to succeed. You're exactly right. And that's what I was going to say too, is they are putting the guys in the best positions for them, as opposed to put the best guys into positions that the coach coaches kind of like think they'll be successful at. You have to figure out what they, in reality, what they are going to be successful at. And then you, you adapt. You're right. Bryson Shaw was never going to be a stopper as your single high. I think that now introducing him as the guy who can kind of play the umbrella, play over the top, 
and not be stuck against in a lot of like one-on-one coverage. I think that's much better for him. Tommy Eichenberg, like you said, they're taking him off the field more, but then when he's in there, it's, you know, he plays a lot of presumed running downs or they play, they put him in a position where they think that the action will be more oriented towards the line of scrimmage. And that's where he's going to thrive and be more successful. So I think that they're learning how to move their chess pieces around. And that has only been really a boon for this offense or this defense. I'm sorry. I think that you look at their last three games, especially they're giving up about 12 points per game. I think exactly 15 sacks. They had five yesterday. The thing that I am most pleased with, or the thing that I am most excited about is just the aggression that they are playing with. The defensive line is trying to get after it. They're not worried about contain and keeping things inside versus outside. They're It's full steam ahead, trying to play with discipline still, but they look aggressive. They're, they want to see ball, get ball. Same thing for the linebackers. We're involving more and more blitzes. The two corner blitzes, especially yesterday, Cam Brown had one, Seven Banks had one. I loved seeing that. I think Seven got home and then on Cam Brown, he he forced a pressure or a hurry from Talia Tagovailoa. So they're just, it's a different scheme. And I think you have to give a lot of credit to Matt Barnes. I don't think it's specific to him. But letting him call plays, he's dialing up the blitzes. He's calling up the guys coming off the corner. So I think that him taking over has definitely changed the direction. But you have to give credit to the guys, too. The guys doing it and some of the new guys on the field, too. Steel Chambers, I don't know where his linebacker ability came from. He's looked good here and there. He has looked awesome the last couple of weeks as a linebacker. You know, this guy was a running back last year and he is flying all over the place. Marcus Williamson, now that he's fully healthy, they've inserted him into the lineup. I thought like energy and passion and sort of directing guys around and hyping them up. I thought he looked great yesterday. And the linebacker improvement has been, you know, I think really top notch. Bringing up Steel Chambers again, him, Cody Simon, Tommy Heikenberg, all had seven tackles yesterday. Taraja Mitchell had five. They combined for two and a half for loss. You know, I, I, I banged on them the hardest and I thought that they hadn't underachieved to the same level as the defensive line, but they were clearly the weakness and they are starting to carry their end of the bargain. I think that they have sort of cemented themselves, figured some things out. And now I think that by proxy, the defensive line, which I was the hardest on just as far as, you know, where they should have been and where they weren't. I think that they are now more comfortable to attack and play that aggressive game. So it's all sort of working in unison for me. And that's what it looks like. It's, it's working for them the same way. Yeah. And I think, you know, as much as we talk about kind of some of the scheme changes and stuff, you, you brought up a little bit, we're seeing different guys, then we saw in the first couple of weeks kind of start to have an impact on this defense. And I think Ohio State is kind of starting to find some things in some of these guys that we're seeing come on late. So like you said, you know, Steel Chambers looked awesome yesterday. I think he looked like Ohio State's best linebacker yesterday. And this is a guy that is playing linebacker for the first time. He is, you know, a lot of what Ohio State's defense is doing now is reading and reacting to plays, which is what we were begging them to do earlier in the year instead of just having five different assignments on the back of their mind and thinking about everything at once. You can't think on defense, and it looks like Ohio State's doing a much 
better job of just seeing what's in front of them and reacting to it. And so that's good to see. But yeah, Steel Chambers really popped yesterday. Marcus Williamson, I thought, has looked really, really good in, in these last couple weeks. He didn't really play much early on. He's played a, a lot more these last two weeks. Um, they're kind of playing him as a, a little bit of a cover safety slot corner. And this is a guy in, in his fifth year at Ohio State. I, I never really thought he played all that well in his first, you know, in the years that he played significantly, like the last two. I didn't think he looked particularly good. But this year, I guess, you know, whatever the role is, or maybe he just something, so he found something back there. Uh, he's looked really good. He was one of, you know, one of the higher graded players on Ohio State yesterday. Funny enough, well, the highest graded player on Ohio State's defense yesterday was Jack Sawyer, uh, who only played 17 snaps. Yeah, but uh, I feel like he probably drew five holding calls. Oh, absolutely. I, I feel and like he he's at a like sack. a 33 to 50% hit rate on that. Yeah, him and JT Tuimaloa both had uh, sacks. Uh, interestingly enough, Javante Jean-Baptiste was listed as the starter opposite Zach Harrison on the defensive line, and he did play 44 snaps. So I don't know what went on there, why that was the case. You know, we saw less snaps for JT Tuimaloa and Jack Sawyer, which I don't love, but I thought the defensive line actually looked pretty good yesterday. I thought Zach Harrison probably had his best game in terms of actually rushing the passer that we've seen in his time at Ohio State. He was getting after it out there and he didn't get home every time, but uh he was he was he was pressuring the quarterback. It actually looked like, you know, Zach Harrison was making an impact on the defensive line, which is what we've been looking for for quite some time. And also another guy that that popped for me just in this game was was Craig Young, who, you know, I thought we would maybe see more of at linebacker, and it seems like Ohio State wants him to play safety. Which doesn't really make sense to me because he's six foot three, two hundred twenty pounds, and that's way too big for a safety. And especially when you know Ohio State's been struggling to find decent linebacker play, you would think that putting a good player at linebacker that is his natural position would make more sense. But I don't make these decisions. I don't know if they're hopefully they figure that out a little bit. But I feel like a very easy fix there would be to have you know Ronnie Hickman's obviously been really good in the bullet role, and he played the most snaps out of anybody in this uh, in this game. I think Ronnie Hickman's become a player for Ohio State on this defense that you can't take off the field at this point because of how well he's played. But I, I think maybe having him as one of your two high safeties and moving Craig Young to the bullet would be a pretty easy fix there. I don't know how you know how easy that would be to, to change those guys' roles up, but I would like well, to see more Craig Young on the it. field. Yeah, we talked about that in our Slack yesterday, Gene. I think that Craig Young has looked good really every time he's been out there, it's just been in limited opportunity. And uh, I, I joked normally um, like Ohio state, just really team websites will, will fudge a guy's numbers, right? They'll make him look maybe an inch taller or 10 pounds heavier. I think they're doing the opposite to Craig young. If I met Craig young and shook his hand, I would swear that he's six four two fifty. So to your point, he is a linebacker. He, that's what he should be. And so I think you were hitting on it a little bit. That guy's an animal and they need to have him in the right position. He seems like the one guy maybe they haven't figured out yet. Yeah. And you know, like, like I'm saying, like these guys that weren't playing early in the year, Marcus Williamson, you know, Cody Simon wasn't starting early in the year. He, he is doing that now. Uh, Court Williams, even at safety, Craig Young, these guys that, you know, Tyler Williams too. A lot of these guys that weren't playing early in the year, I think have carved out significant roles and, and will continue to do so as the year goes on. And, you know, that combined with the scheme has really helped Ohio State's defense. And I think the coaching staff has really learned what they have in a lot of these guys and are continuing to learn and give some of these guys that are playing really well increased reps, which is good to see. You know, they're not just sticking with the same 11 and, and letting, you know, their good players play just in garbage time and, and pop their I feel like they're rewarding guys for, for playing well, and we see the guys that are playing well playing more and more each week. And I think that, you know, there were some guys that were playing a lot earlier in the year uh, that may just not be ready. And that's not to say they're bad players, but like a guy like Legend Cavazos is, is a young corner, 
And, and you know, when, when Seven Banks was out early in the year and, and Cam Brown was banged up, he was a guy that was playing a lot, and he just didn't quite look ready. And we've seen him, you know, he's been playing less these last couple weeks, and I don't want it's not a knock on him. I'm not saying he's a bad player. He'll probably wind up being a pretty good player. But, you know, you, you can't throw that guy into the fire against Minnesota and Oregon and expect him to ball out when he hasn't really played much of any college football up to that point. So I think that they've done a good job of getting these guys reps and the guys that are, are playing the best are playing the most. And that's, you know, a lot of the things we were asking for earlier in the year. And it's good to see. And like I said, I'm not totally sold on this being a good defense. But, you know, I, I'm more confident. I'm certainly more confident in them than I was earlier in the year. I think if Ohio State played Oregon again with the current setup they have, I, I have a pretty good idea that they'd win the game this time around. Um, and also, like, you know, like we kind of alluded to, I don't know if Ohio State will play another dynamic offense, at least in the regular season, uh, for the rest of the year. So as long as this defense can continue to be good, they don't have to be perfect. They don't have to be anything close to what Georgia is. They don't have to be even anything close to what the 2019 defense was. But, you know, if they're just good and this offense continues to score pretty much every time they have the ball, um, Ohio State's in, in really good shape moving forward. Yeah, I think that they just need to be solid. And you look at the rest of their schedule excuse me, uh, Michigan seems to be running the ball really well right now. I don't know how balanced they are. Michigan State, Kenneth Walker III has looked really good. And then uh, Naylor yesterday had like five catches for 500 yards. I think that that's sort of a fluke, but he's a talented player. Um, I don't want to undersell the rest of Ohio State's opponents, but I agree with you on the offenses that they're going to face and that they're going to go against, you know, if anything, a team like Maryland, basically, you know, after everything we've seen now, Maryland put a little bit of a scare to me before the game and the fact that they like to spread it out, air it out. Uh, you know, they had a running back who was seldom used, but he averaged seven yards a pop. That was Tayon Fleet Davis. He had eight carries for seven yards yesterday. That is typically and traditionally what Ohio State has struggled with is those sort of spread looks. That's not what Michigan State does. That's not what Michigan does. Um, Indiana may do a little bit of it, but now they've got Stephen Carr. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't think that these defenses on paper, these offenses on paper look as scary as they would have a couple of weeks ago. It seems like these guys have figured it out. And again, I don't want to undersell it. But I think that the defenses that they are going to see for the rest of the season are probably like they play even more to Ohio State's strengths in that they're a little bit more traditional and balanced and things like that. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm, I will go as far as to say Ohio State won't play another good quarterback this season. I just <laughs> if you look at the Big Ten at large, I tweeted yesterday that there's three good quarterbacks in the Big Ten and they're all on Ohio State's roster. And after watching Penn State, Iowa and Michigan, Nebraska, I, I don't feel any less confident in that take. Um, you know, even the well, best Gene, hold on, there's a five star in Wisconsin. Are you telling me he's not up there? Oh, boy, Graham Mertz. Um, yeah, like, I, I mean, Ohio State's not going to play them because they're not going to play in the Big Ten title game. So even if, you know, even if you want to say Graham Mertz is good on paper, uh, they're not even going to see him. So it is interesting to look at. Like, even like the, the Big Ten's really good. The Big Ten East especially is really good this year. Like, they're going to play, you know, a good Michigan State team, a good Penn State team, and a good Michigan team. But Penn State's quarterback is Sean Clifford, who is is not the guy and got a little banged up yesterday. I don't know if it doesn't look like it's anything serious. I doubt he'll be out long enough to miss the Ohio State game. But even if he's out there, he's not very good. And they have Jahan Dotson as probably the best receiver in the Big Ten that's not on Ohio State's roster. But you still got to get him the ball. Um, 
Spencer Petras at Iowa, if they play in the Big Ten title game, not good. Uh, Cade McNamara, not good. Michigan does have a good quarterback on its roster, J.J. McCarthy, but they're not using him for whatever reason. But, you know, watching Cade McNamara yesterday against Nebraska, not good. Uh, Michigan State, uh, you know, they're they're more of a Kenneth Walker run offense. It's all, all these teams are going to play are running offenses. And, you know, even when Ohio State's defense was bad, they weren't doing really terrible against the run. I mean, uh, the Oregon game notwithstanding, where they just kept getting beat to the edge, but we certainly haven't seen that happen in these last couple of weeks. And, you know, you know, Rutgers isn't terrible at running the ball. Maryland, you know, they, they don't like to run the balls that we kind of expected them to try to air it out. And, you know, Tugavaloa might be one of the better quarterbacks Ohio State faces the rest of the year in this conference. And, you know, he didn't have a terrible game. He threw for 279 yards, two touchdowns, two picks. But they did a really good job of limiting him and, and you know, keeping keeping Ohio, uh, Maryland's Besides the Rakeem Jarrett play where, you know, they got beat by a five-star on a couple missed tackles, like, they really didn't do all that much on offense. So, uh, I don't know, you know, Ohio State can continue to build on defense, but I don't know that this defense has to be good for this team to win the Big Ten. Like, as long as they're just serviceable and the offense keeps firing on all cylinders, I don't really think it'll be much of a problem. And maybe we'll run into a situation like last year where they come up against, you know, there isn't an Alabama offense out there, right, this season that, like, is going to put 60 on Ohio State and just demolish them in a playoff game. But their defense might run into some trouble against, like, a, a, a competent offense in the playoffs. But until then, and, you know, we still have to get there, but I just don't see a team in the Big Ten really challenging them and in a way that would put them in danger in the Big Ten, like, regular season at minimum. Yeah, and hopefully we don't eat our words, but I agree with you uh, on that. I kind of look at it how Nick Saban, Nick Saban, you know, to give him credit, he – sort of started to talk about this a, a couple of years ago. And it's, it's not a new idea, but I just, he comes to mind when I think about this, he finally sort of realized that a strong defense and a competent offense, that's not how you're going to win right now in college football. It needs to be the opposite. It needs to be, uh, you know, a high flying, high scoring offense and a competent defense. And, I think it's at least fair to say now that that's what Ohio State's defense is, is they are competent with room to grow. And so, whereas a couple of weeks ago, we may not have said, hey, you know, if Ohio State puts up 40, it's a lock. Well, now I think that I think they're capable of always putting up 40 and it's at least more of a lock that this defense, they, they know what's going on. They've got a good head on their shoulders. They've sort of started to figure things out. So. We just need them to be along for the ride, I guess, is the way I would look at it. Ohio State as is uh, number six in the coaches poll now. They just announced that. They still haven't done the AP yet, but that's about where, I'll, where I'd expect them to be. They are behind, and this is the coaches poll. They're num- Alabama's at number five. I, I kind of expected that. I, I still think Alabama's going to be ranked ahead just because you know, overall, Alabama has probably looked better over the course of the season. And, you know, Ohio State is going to have a chance to to impress some people with a lot of these ranked teams they have on their schedule. So I'm not really worried about Ohio State's ranking, but there are five Big Ten teams ranked in the top nine of the uh, coaches poll right now. You have Iowa at number two. So shout out to number two, Iowa. Then you have Ohio State at six, Michigan at seven, Penn State at eight, and Michigan State at nine. So Big Ten's looking pretty darn good this year, and that's that bodes well for Ohio State, especially with their their early loss. They're gonna have a chance to beat some teams that are nationally ranked in the top ten, and that'll be really good for the resume moving forward. I don't think you know I saw some people yesterday worried. You know we'll talk about this maybe next week in our in our podcast on the bye week, but I saw some people worried 
that, you know, Ohio State wins out and doesn't make the playoff because two SEC teams make it or whatever. But just looking at Ohio State's schedule, if they win out, there's no chance that they don't make it. So I wouldn't be worried about that. We'll talk about that a little bit this week. Um, but yeah, uh, I think they're real. I, I'm not saying that Ohio State is is unbeatable, and I, I think, you know, they're going to go undefeated moving forward because there's no way they could possibly lose. I think if Ohio State's offense isn't playing all up to, you know, the way it can, and they maybe turn the ball over a couple times, and the defense isn't quite what we think it is right now, and they play a, a, an offense that knows how to attack them a little bit better, this is certainly still a beatable team. And until, you know, until they play a really good team and they look really good and they show it to me, I'm, I'm going to still believe that. But I thought watching Ohio State yesterday was the first time I felt this year where it was like, you know, it felt like you're watching Ohio State game where you're playing a, t- a lesser opponent where you expect to win by a million and you just do it. Like you play well in every phase of the game and you just you you beat up on the little guys. And I thought, felt like, you know, obviously they did a little bit against Rutgers, but I didn't think Rutgers offense was particularly good. I thought Maryland's offense was a little better coming into this game, even with the that, that mishap against Iowa. But this really felt to me like the first game where it felt like watching Ohio State. Like it felt like a team that was confident out there. They knew they were going to win. And then just everything they did worked on on both sides of the ball, and it was good to see. And now they'll they'll take that confidence into the bye week, work on some things they need to work on, and hopefully, you know, things continue to roll moving forward. Yeah, I think every team's beatable, right? Um, it is a fun a, and weird year of college football where like nobody is particularly good, and it's been very right. entertaining. And it's it's a good year for Ohio State to have maybe some of those issues because it seems like everyone has something going on. Yeah. Every team is beatable, but what I'll say about this Ohio State team is now I am confident or now I feel confident that they are more this team that we saw against Rutgers and Maryland than they are the one that got shredded by Oregon and struggled with Tulsa. So, you know, I I don't know what I put them up there. You know, I don't know if they're in my top two, three, four, if I had to put confidence and rank them that way. But I am at least more confident that this is the real Ohio State team that we'll see moving forward. And that's that's a good place to be. Absolutely. And, you know, before we get out of here a little bit, we'll talk about some of the national picture. As we alluded to, uh, Alabama lost to Texas A&M this week on the road. 41-38. That was a, a very that game and the Penn State Iowa game were both going on at kind of the same time. Or no, that game and the uh the Michigan Nebraska game were both going on at the same time. Both of them close and both of them pretty entertaining to watch. So I don't know how Texas AM pulled it off because their backup quarterback is is not particularly good. But um they did have a, a kick return. They had a really big kick return because Alabama was starting to gain momentum and it looked like they were gonna run away with it. You know, someone on this podcast uh that I know that might be me. Uh, might have live bet Alabama because I thought there was no way in hell this team could lose, but it turns out they can. So that's, you know, that's a big deal. Number one team goes down. Obviously, Georgia will move into the number one spot this week. Um, Penn State and Iowa. Iowa won 23-20. Penn State really blew that one. They had a lead, and they, they let it slip. Um, that was a classic Big Ten, I don't want to watch this. This hurts my eyes. Everything sucks game. It was just all punts and defense and bad quarterback play. Uh, the exact opposite of that was the Oklahoma-Texas game where nobody could play defense and it was just all scoring and Spencer Rattler got benched. So that was a whole thing. I don't know. I'm actually like, I think Oklahoma could turn things around with uh, Caleb Williams at quarterback because he looked really good and they he brought them back from a big deficit against Texas. Uh, yeah, Oklahoma then, yeah. still still concerns me a little bit because they may have the ability to run the table, but they still gave up 40 or should have given up 40 in the first half. Sark kind of got a little 
got a little weird there at the end of the first half, took his foot off the brakes. They settled for a field goal. So I think they stopped at 38. Um, but, you know, the thing about all those games, and, and it kind of upsets me, is I said Texas and Nebraska. I said last week, Texas and Nebraska would both pull off upsets, and they both should have. Texas, they're not back. I have no idea what the uh, the thought process or the game plan was during the second half. They uh, they could not stop anything. Um, and Xavier then, Worthy for Texas had nine catches for 261 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah. Jeez. And, and they, yeah, like the entire offense played uh, out over their skis. They had a 21-point lead at multiple points during the game. And they let Oklahoma come back with a true freshman quarterback who I get it. I think he's special. I think he's clearly better than Spencer Rattler. I always thought Spencer Rattler was overrated. Um, maybe he'll get the correct credit and the correct attention when he's at USC next year or something like that. Um, but, but I picked Texas and Nebraska. We talked about the Texas game, Nebraska, Adrian Martinez, what are you doing, dude? Like you had a chance. He's 46 years old. He's played college football as long as Tom Brady's been in the NFL. And he still doesn't understand ball protection and ball security. They had a chance to go down, make a drive, win that game. Really not flip the narrative for Scott Frost, but at least kind of start to pull it back the other way from where this guy may just be on his way out again. But um, I just... The ability to close games this year, especially, is wild. I, I don't feel like teams can close. Maybe that's a lot of youth. Maybe that's a lot of inexperience. Um, but it, it's fun and it's crazy and it's it's nerve wracking all at the same time. It's been one of the more enjoyable seasons I can remember in a long time because, in theory, you've probably got ten to fifteen teams on paper that have a chance to make a run at this thing. Yeah, I think the gap between the the top teams and the and the teams right below them is is lower than it's it's smaller than it's ever been. At least the last couple of years, you know, the last couple of years it's been Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, and then everyone else. And now, obviously, you know, all of those teams have a loss. At least Clemson's entirely out of the conversation. Alabama and Ohio State both have one loss, but it, it certainly looks like everyone is beatable this year. Um, I, I keep saying that Georgia's defense is is ridiculous, and I, I don't know if that opinion is going to change. They beat Auburn this weekend, thirty four to ten. That doesn't really tell me a bunch. I don't think Auburn's particularly good, but that Georgia defense is scary, and that is probably the one team that you know if Ohio State matched up against, then I'd be. That's the only game where I'd be really worried about Ohio, especially State, with Stetson you know, Bennett. Points. You know, he was their backup. JT Daniels supposed to be the truth. Stetson Bennett has them moving the ball too. So that's yeah, I, I'm with you. I think that they're a very dangerous team. Yeah, I, I think at this point in the season, you'd have to pick them as the favorite to win the title just with how good that defense is. Um, yeah, Nebraska shots up in the foot at every possible turn, uh, as they're wont to do. Uh, just some other, you know, National League games. BYU, top 10 team, lost to Boise State. Not a lot of people expected that. Boise's been pretty down this year. They're only 3-3 three and three even with that win, but that really puts a crimp in BYU's style. Uh, Michigan State handled business on the road at Rutgers, 31-13. Uh, Ole Miss and Arkansas played a shootout 51, 52 to 51, uh, kind of what you'd expect there with two teams that are pretty good on offense and not the best on defense. And that's really it in terms of the national picture. Did you see how that game ended, Gene? Uh, the Ole Miss game, was that the one where he the somebody on the sideline was like calling touchdown as the ball was in the air and then he like threw the play card? 
Well, I'm just talking about the fact that Arkansas went for two. You know, they could have tied it. They could have taken it to overtime. It was 52 to 51 after that last second score. And look, I like it. Arkansas is not competing for a national title, probably, even if they win that game. So I just, I like the coach. I like that Sam Pittman went for it. He was like, look, we know it's going to go back and forth in overtime. We're probably each going to score a dozen times because we can't stop each other on defense. So I just love the fact that he went for it. I think that you'd want to see more coaches take that approach. So, Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that's pretty much... Uh, what we have this week. I think next week we're going to do a little bit of a, you know, Ohio State reflection, kind of what we want to see moving forward. Ohio State obviously has the bye week coming up, so there's not going to be any sort of game preview or recap, but we're going to look at some of the the national picture, what's going on across the college football landscape. So we'll do a little bit more of a deep dive into some of these teams that we're talking about and, you know, how the playoff picture is shaping up at about the midway point of the season, exactly the midway point for Ohio State. Uh, it's a good place to have your bye week at, at the, the six games in front, six games behind. I uh, have a chance to prepare for, I think Ohio State really has all of their hard games coming up. I don't think that, obviously the Oregon game, but I think, you know, the Big Ten East, as I've said, is is a pretty pretty strong division this year, and they are going to play all those teams coming up. They only have played Rutgers and Maryland at this point in that division. So a lot of good games coming up for Ohio State. They are, you know, they're looking better, but they're going to have a lot of tougher competition on the road ahead, a uh, chance to kind of put themselves back in the, you know, the college football playoff picture, you know, not that they were ever out of it, but I think some, a lot of people were, including us, were, were down on this team's chances of, you know, being a legit national title contender. So if they can knock off some of these top 10 teams, I think that is going to change a lot of people's minds about this team, myself included. Uh, but yeah, so that's probably what we'll have for you coming this weekend, Josh. If anything else you wanted to, to wrap up from this Maryland game? No, or- I feel good about the team moving forward. I feel even better that, um, there are so many teams involved in the conversation. I think Ohio State's one of them. And really, I think that the bye week's coming at a good time. We want to get Haskell Garrett healthy. Um, and selfishly, after this weekend of great sports, I could use a breather, right? We've got college football. We've got MLB playoffs. The big fight last night between Fury and Wilder. I need to decompress. I have not been off the couch essentially since Friday night. So I think next Saturday I might go outside and get some fresh air, maybe pick an apple. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, if you if you're if you are a person listening to this podcast and your girlfriend's been bugging you to you know go apple pick and go pumpkin pick whatever it is, next weekend is certainly the weekend to do it. I haven't really looked at what the national slate is, but obviously Ohio State won't be playing. So get those get those fall errands and you know fall fun fun activities outside. Uh, done next Saturday, next weekend when the Buckeyes won't be on the field. That's obviously a good time for that. Uh, I'll, I'll consider looking at some fresh air next weekend, but I'll probably still wind up watching college football all day because I love watching college football when Ohio State doesn't play because I could just make fun of everyone else with having no repercussions for the chances of my own team losing. So that's always fun for me. But nonetheless, uh, Josh and I will be back with you sometime, like I said, later this week to just talk about Ohio State in, in broader scope and some of the national conversation and stuff like that. Uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter at HolyLandPod. Uh, be sure to like, rate, review, subscribe, and all that good stuff on the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And we will see you guys uh, sometime later this week. Uh, and as, as always, go Bucks.